Welcome back to Life in the Clouds. And full disclosure here, I've not had enough time to allocate to editing, so we're gonna be posting these uh, in a little bit of chunks in the backlog, trying to get them about when we're recorded. So uh, these next two that you'll hear on the feed are an interview we did with Frank Lamar, uh, a software engineer at Delta. So hope you enjoy and hope to be caught up with all of the audio we have in the can within a week or so. Thanks. All right, folks, welcome to this episode of Life in the Clouds. Today, we finally have our long-awaited first guest. We've got uh, Frank Lamar with us here today. Welcome, Frank. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so Frank, uh, Frank and I work together at, at the Home Depot, and he's now at Delta. He's in Boston for the Red Hat Conference, so just going to talk a little bit about that and, uh, you know, what, what's going on in that world and, uh, you know, some dev tools and just wherever the conversation takes us. So uh, thanks for joining us. And Frank, just first off, wanted to kick off, you know, what are you like, what's what, what are your goals for being in town for this conference? What are you looking to get out of it? So my goals for the conference are to learn more about the Red Hat ecosystem and basically how we can apply different parts of that to the airline industry. Um, currently, I work on a team that does PaaS enablement, um, PaaS is platform as a service, and currently we are a Red Hat customer when it comes to our PaaS. Yeah, so that's OpenShift, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it's the OpenShift tool. Um, it's really interesting because we get to kind of meet the faces behind the code, like the people who are actually building and maintaining uh, the code as well as the plugins and a lot of the images, the container images that we're using. Uh, we're actually getting to meet these people face to face and shake their hand and also ask them questions. Gotcha. So when you say you're on the on the PaaS team, like what what kind of work does that entail? Like who who are you writing software for? Like what's the mix of like app and script writing and configuration? Like what's your what's your kind of day to day? Uh, so um, I guess the the good and the bad thing about being on the PaaS is that my customers are the other software engineers at Delta Airlines. So having uh, your peer or someone who has the same level and same background as you as a peer is great in some regards because you speak the same language, but not as great in other regards because of certain demands or you know expectations that, that come along with that. A Spring Boot sample app to the OpenShift platform. So that won't teach you OpenShift or give you a full application, but you can actually see your application running. So that's the quick start. However, the reference app is a full application that you can base your application off of following the Spring or Spring Boot pattern. So it, it contains the sample source code and it's just like simple hello world stuff. It has a Docker file that will build or um, that will build an image for you as well as a pipeline file that will define a pipeline that will promote your application throughout the entire life cycle that we use at Delta. Gotcha. And I'll definitely say software engineers are the most difficult customers <laughs> that I've ever worked for, worked serving as a, as a software engineer. One, because, you know, they're never right. They're not opinionated. Like <laughs> it's not in their, it's not in their personality traits. Right. They, yeah. No. They definitely give ground on all arguments. They don't know a better way to do things. You know, it's, it's very easy to work with. But them. I would say yeah. I can relate <laughs> to that in the fact is like, 
in a messaging role, you are kind of that person. You're building the groundwork or the messaging kind of document for the rest of marketing. So I, I, I kind of agree. Like, it's cool to build the foundation for people to then take and then use for what they're doing. Um, I have a question, and this may be completely not right as far as how I'm thinking about it, but do you, when you say that you build pipelines, do you also build like how someone is to access a, a data source or are you in control too of like an API directory or any of that kind of stuff too? Is your team kind of in charge of? So or am I thinking about this wrong? Um, so when I say pipeline, I'm referring to a CI/CD pipeline. Oh, okay. Uh, CI/CD is a continuous integration, continuous delivery. Delivery, sometimes yeah. continuous deliver, uh, development. It can deployment. Yeah, de- yeah, de- yeah. Pick a D word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The D, the D is variable in that regard, but for us, it's uh, continuous delivery. Okay. And so uh, we we use a tool called uh, Jenkins, and Jenkins has a pipeline feature, and the pipeline is basically uh, and a way to automate kind of the boring, repetitive stuff out of your job so that you can focus on the business logic. So like bundling your application or running unit tests. The pipeline will just do those things automatically for you every time that you commit your code or every time that you check in software or whatever, basically whatever trigger you set, then it does that part for you. Totally. Okay. So, I understand that. So I'm software engineer. I decide like, oh, I've got a great idea for some new implementation on a reservation system. I want to start working on the code quickly. I can check out Frank's example, OpenShift repo, pull that down. It's got all of the kind of hooks and infrastructure around it. And then I can just start laying my functional code on there if I want to and not have to worry right. about all the scaffolding around it. Right. Right. Okay, Makes sense. Cool. Good deal. Well, that's uh, you know that's a that's a challenging space. That's a space that we kind of both operated in in, in mm-hmm. Home Depot. Like what's uh, in terms of you know not necessarily this conference, but in the industry as a whole, what are you seeing as kind of some of the emerging trends in the space? Um, the emerging trends. I think that we are um, we're we're in a place where the. We're automating a lot of the harder things instead of continuing to do the hard things. We're, we're in a place where um, software is, is evolving and developing so quickly and the industry is changing so quickly that it's really kind of hard to keep up. And the only real way to keep up is to automate things, automate as many things as you can as well as make things as simple as possible. So we're kind of going to the place and you kind of see the trend over time where it's you know, you had, first you had like your uh, systems engineers and your developers and the systems engineers would maintain the servers and developers would maintain the code. And then we kind of evolved and iterated over that to lead us to DevOps. And we started pushing those um, two groups together and they began to cross pollinate and learn from each other. So not only focus on the code, but you also had like the full software stack and the server to worry about. And now we're evolving to, and so DevOps led us into the serverless movement. And now it's, you're not even thinking about the entire application anymore. You're just deploying a service or doing a cloud function. So it seems like, you know, there's a trend where the software industry in itself is like racing to zero. Right. Um, and the singularity, I think. Some, yeah. Some people call it, right? <laughs> Once again, we want to thank our sponsor, G1 Consulting Group at g1cg.com. 
If you need any help with any technology projects, whether it's to get one off the ground, get one across the finish line, just need general advice and guidance, uh, check out the folks at G1 Consulting Group. They've got a great team of individuals to help you out with any kind of problem uh, or concerns you have with technology delivery. So thanks again and back to our interview. What, um, just, just curious, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here, but how do you define DevOps? Mm, <laughs> how do I define DevOps? Um, I like to think of DevOps as basically gumbo. Like you're trying to bring in as many people with as many skills and backgrounds as possible to all come to a single spot or a single team and you're gonna mix that all together and influence each other and learn from each other so that at the end of the day, the entire team becomes better and the product that you produce is better. It's not just, well, I've written this code, I'm gonna throw it over the wall and now it's an operations problem. But from the moment we start to conceive an idea before we write the first line of code, we're already thinking about the software implications, the server implications, and even the security implications, because now I'm starting to hear um, DevSecOps or DevOpsSec being thrown around so that you're not bolting on security at the end. You're starting to think of your, your security considerations from the very beginning also. So I think it's, it's an, a, a nice mix that we are approaching problems with the full resources available on the team. Yeah, it's interesting. So most of the people that I usually talk to in my daily life, I've been mainly more on the infrastructure side of the house as opposed to the application side of the house. And when I actually first started my career, the reason I went more to the infrastructure side of the house is because more of their dollars were actually put towards that. So if you talk to a CIO or a CTO in 2008, 80% of their budget went towards infrastructure and that team. Now we're actually seeing a merging and or an actual shift in the applications teams getting more of that budget. And to your point, they're becoming these teams that are creating these dev apps or even this idea of, you know, Googling or searching for something within your own company where you get a snippet of code that's almost like a copy and paste kind of way of making your job go faster, right? Um, and so it, it's just been interesting to kind of compare and contrast in our career as well as from what you've been saying around how the application side of the house looks at things differently than the infrastructure side of the house and, and how do you guys even compare terms like how we were even talking about pipeline earlier. Right, and so you um, have that application side and you have that infrastructure side, but ultimately you wanna to come together and have a single view. Yeah, but like any other thing, right? It, it's, it only really comes together at the CIO, so you're only as good. So maybe that's a good question for you. Um, you were talking about earlier about how you guys actually were responsible for maintaining or keeping that server up and live or even choosing which server that you used in, the, in this application team um, how much of that has now changed and you talked about you know kind of shifting towards functions for example so so kind of bring me through your partnering I guess initially with the infrastructure team or how much you're inter interacting across teams within even your IT department whether that be at Delta or kind of on average I know I know you're not speaking for the company right now so yeah. So we're interacting a lot with our partners on the infrastructure side. Okay. Um, we are co-located in a single space, and we do our 
pretty much all of our formal rituals, um, retrospective stand-ups, all things are done um, hand in hand. And I've even had we've even had a chance to do some uh, interchanges with each other, with each other, where I've had a chance to do some of the infrastructure work, and we brought some of them in to do some of the application and deployment work. So we're we're really tightly coupled, more so than I would say other organizations I've seen across the company. Oh, that's cool. Um, what are your thoughts? So I know you're here for the Red Hat conference. So they actually just got approved. I think it's been within 48 hours that the government approved the IBM acquisition of Red Hat. Um, and so with that naturally, and I say that, you know, I'm part of Dell Technologies and they've also acquired, you know, various different companies and they're kind of run separately. So the, the CEO of IBM has come out and said, hey, we're going to run Red Hat separately, but do you ever look at a vendor from a perspective of going together with your infrastructure teams? And is there, you know, has that crossed your mind, I guess? Are you working with your infrastructure peers while you're at this Red Hat conference or? That does, you know, lays down bits and bytes and OSs on servers that are typically maintained, like a lot of the RHEL distributions are historically maintained by the Linux teams, but then mm -hmm. there's stuff on top of that, like the PaaS, OpenShift, that maybe, um, you know, your teams and other teams are doing. So, like, are, like, would you have infrastructure folks with you at this conference or other, other people looking at different aspects of, like, maybe the holistic IBM ecosystem so I would say yes to both. We have yep. people who are concerned with the overall big picture who are here, and they're kind of popping out to different sessions that kind of make sense to them, as well as we have some infrastructure people here as well, and they're getting an opportunity to participate in hands-on labs, as well as going to some of the talks. Um, and some of the ones I've really enjoyed so far have been about the future of OpenShift, and talking about OpenShift 4 and um, their roadmap and the different things that will be coming down the line. Because for us and the version that we're on, it's kind of good to see the direction that the product is going. Cool. So uh, just a little bit back on the on the DevOps and I guess the split between like historic infra ops and app, uh, app dev. What would you say, I'm going to ask kind of the same question on flip side. So uh, typically individuals will have a, more expertise in either kind of the operations of a system or the development of a system. Um, what do you think that those who are less familiar with the development side could learn from the operation side? I think one of the, one of the good things, uh, one of the things that people who are familiar with the operation side could learn is this trend towards everything is code. Um, we, there at one point in time, I think computers were treated like cattle, or excuse me, were treated like pets. And this was my server, it had the host name, it had, it was configured just the way I wanted, it had my admin scripts on it, and no one else should touch it. This is my baby. And now, thanks to things like infrastructure as code, servers are now, or servers, not only servers, but environments are now easily reproducible. And being able to store server configurations in source code is like a big win because you don't have to worry about, well, if something happens to the server, where did everything go? Or how do we reproduce this environment if something were to happen in this data center? So I, I see, or at least from my experience and the infrastructure people that I've 
uh, talked to, I've really seen some light bulbs go off in the infrastructure as code world and being able to see how they can save a configuration file and then in you know a matter of seconds apply that along with the template to a server and instantly you've recreated their environment. Yeah. That's yeah, that's, that's de point. definitely super valuable having like everything driven in the repo by manifest files and things, I right. think is great. So, uh, yeah, being able to version being able to version those because you'd have situations where um, there was not only was there like inconsistency between like QA or lower lifecycle environments and production environments, but you've also I've also seen situations where there's uh, inconsistency across production environments. So if you have an application that's in microservices and spread out over a couple of servers, you may have one version of this library on two of the servers and a different version on the third version. So um, being able to save your configurations as code eliminates that because you can apply the same configuration to the three different servers and you reproduce that environment in a more reliable fashion. That's it for this week's episode of Life in the Clouds. Check back next week for part two of our interview with Frank Lamar. Have a good one.